Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live across the world on the internet at MichaelDukeshow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning to you, my friends. It is the Michael Duke Show broadcasting uh, again live pretty much everywhere, wherever you want to be. Uh, we appreciate you guys coming in and joining us. It is uh, hump day. Middle of the week, we could see the downhill slide from here all the way down to Firearms Friday, uh, which I guess I should mention uh, first and foremost right off the bat that uh, Firearms Friday has got some big guests, including Dr. John Lott coming in this more, uh, this week to talk with us about some of his latest and greatest stuff. I'm excited about that. Uh, we're going to be discussing things with him uh, on Friday as well, of course, uh, Willie Waffle. Uh, tomorrow on the program, not quite sure yet who we're going to be uh, talking with, but um, I'm going to say probably or hopefully maybe Kathy Tilton or Ben Carpenter, and you'll know why I say that here uh, in the morning. We're going to uh, We're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, here throughout the first hour of the program today, um, <clears throat> but we'll see. We'll we'll see what it looks like here in just a little bit. Um, all right, on today's program, we've got the first hour is going to be some headlines and some discussions, especially coming out of the uh, presser uh, yesterday. There was a House Majority press conference uh, held down in Juneau, and um, there were some things that were said and then some things that were reported on from the same presser and I don't know exactly what to make of it yet but I'm going to give you I'm going to let I'm going to let you help me decide exactly what it uh, exactly what it meant and we're going to discuss that this morning as well as some of the other things that are going on around the state of Alaska including the first lawsuit now uh, coming up against the Willow Project. We knew it was going to happen, uh, and it has now occurred. Uh, so we'll get some details on that. The new, uh, uh, in Anchorage, the municipal election is about to happen. The municipal election happens in March, um, excuse me, uh, in April. And so here in March is when we're starting to see the ballots come out, and we'll talk just a bit about that as well. And... Well, probably anything else. I probably should open up the phone lines for the first hour too, because um, well, we'll we'll you may want to sound off on any of the things that we're talking about here. So, I guess I'll go ahead and launch the phone lines as well, and we'll open those up right now. Uh, and of course, uh, this hour of the program and uh, pretty much every day uh, is being sponsored by our friends over there at Satellite West, SatelliteWest.com. Uh, from chicken to uh, uh, to uh, China to Chattanooga, from eek to eagle to a from Minto 
to Metlakatla to Menchumana, no matter where you are in the state of Alaska, you can stay connected with your friends over there at Satellite West, uh, whether it's phone calls, whether it's uh, emails, whether you just want to surf the internet, maybe you just want to send text messages. They've got the technology to make it all happen. So you should go check them out at SatelliteWest.com. Proud sponsors, statewide sponsors of the program here uh, each and every day. We want to say a special thanks to them as we we get things rolling. And uh, we appreciate them for uh, all they do and for sponsoring the program. Uh, so <clears throat> phone lines are now open. So if you do want to sound off this morning, we can, we can do that where we, we have the tools and we have the talent. We can make it, we can make it work. Um, all right. So, and then of course in hour two today, sorry, I didn't mean to bury the lead in hour two today. Uh, we will be talking with state Senator Mike shower for the shower hour of power. Um, and uh, it's uh, it should be it should be good it should be good we're excited I'm excited about it let's see what's uh, let's see what's going on uh, all right so into the news what do we what do we want to talk about there's a couple things I do want to mention this just in passing um, um, only because it seems like it um, is a story that's trying to gain some traction around the country. Uh, we heard some people talk about this the uh, other day, uh, and more and more people, um, um, uh, and more and more people in news media outlets seem to be talking about it, and they seem to be talking about it in a way that is almost like this is a crisis, this is bad, this is everything else. But here's what the here's what the headline reads. This is from the Associated Press. It says fewer high school grads are going on to college. The college-going rate for Americans graduating from high school has taken a dive since the start of the pandemic. The combination of a hot job market, fears of student debt, and the pandemic school closures that cut students off from teachers and guidance counselors during long stretches of their high school careers has led many to conclude that they are better off not pursuing higher education. Nationwide, undergraduate college enrollment dropped by 8% from 2019 to 2022, with declines even after the return of in-person classes, according to data from the National Student Clearinghouse. The slide in the college-going rate since 2018 is the steepest on record, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Decisions to forego higher education could have lasting implication for these students' earnings potential and for the wider economy. Fewer college graduates could worsen labor shortages in fields from healthcare to information technology. Now, this is an interesting piece and 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 like I said it's been um, it's been uh, parroted in many other news media outlets. This is actually a pretty mild one. Uh some of the ones uh that are uh some of the some of the bigger papers are almost in a panic with the colleges and everything else sounding the alarm that oh my god these kids won't come be coming to college and we're all going to perish and we'll all become, you know, stupid in the dark without being able to do all the, it's an interesting thing um, because I think what you're seeing here, um, and by the way, in Alaska, uh, 17 states had a decrease of 10% or more. Alaska is one of those states. uh, And in fact, it had uh, uh, almost the steepest 
decrease, one of the steepest decreases in um, in uh, college enrollment coming right out of high school. We had a 14 percent decrease um, in uh, in that during that period from 2019 to 2022. But here's what I would like to offer as a counterpoint uh, quickly on this. Uh, I do have a phone call, so I want to get to the phone call now. But here's what I would like to offer as a counterpoint. Uh, maybe, <clears throat> just maybe, many of these kids realized that uh, that uh, they didn't need. In fact, there was a comment from a student the other day when we when these stories were you know kind of starting to really come out and break, and uh, and one of the students said. I realized I didn't want to put myself in that kind of debt, meaning college debt, uh, when I could go out and get a job right now because the job market is so robust. I mean, people can just they, you know, they want to go out there and and get it done. They they they're looking to hire right now, um, and maybe again, just maybe the Mike Rowe edit, you know, the Mike Rowe uh, uh, component of this, which is that more people are going to technical and trade schools or rocket courses or anything else, um, they may be seeing that that is a valid option. Now, here's the interesting thing. We really won't know for probably another five to 10 years what this means in the overall change, but I actually see this as a good thing because you've got the education industrial complex if you want to if you want to put it into the the paranoid conspiracy theory area but you've got this complex where again this this the story mentions that the school closures cut students off from their teachers and their guidance counselors and everything i mean i never had a guidance counselor in high school so i mean it's a new thing obviously and they're trying to guide these kids into the funnel, high school and great K through 12 is like the funnel that leads into the higher education uh, system. And, uh, you know, we're getting in the past, we've had thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of students who graduated with a degree that they never got a job in that field of study. They never did it. It was more like they could persevere. It was a piece of paper that said you could persevere through four years and spend a lot of money to get this piece of paper. Um, and you know, they just, they weren't using it in an applicable process. Uh, meanwhile, college tuitions and everything else were going up and up and up being bolstered by all this stuff and the federal monies and everything. Maybe instead of being the start of a panic point, maybe this is the start of something good. Maybe this is going to give those kids an opportunity to choose to, to go to college later. Or maybe not to go to college at all unless they need it specifically for the field that they've chosen. Or maybe to go to a trade school or a vocational tech school or something else. Or, again, the rocket-style courses where they can go through a you know, three- or four-month course for a few thousand bucks and come out on the other side prepared and ready to take a job. I mean, I've told the story before of the young lady who went into one of these rocket courses for computer coding. Um and, uh, you know, it was like a 17, 18 week course or something. So it was a good third of a year. And I think she paid six or $7,000 for it. Uh, she went to it. She did it. She came out the other side and had a job already lined up through the rocket course program for making 60, 70,000 bucks a year. And within 18 months, she was making over a hundred thousand dollars a year. That's a pretty good return on investment. Six or seven thousand dollars plus a few weeks of your time 
and now you've got a job that'll last you a lifetime for something that's in demand? Maybe that's what we should be looking at instead of shaming kids because what, you're not going to college? You're not going to college. I mean, I never went to college. I went to one semester of college. I never went, I never graduated from college. You know, my parents never shamed me for that. Although I expected my dad to because he was he was hell on wheels to make sure that I got to college. And I went there and I went, this is nuts. I don't, I'm not, I'm not interested. And uh, I did okay. I did okay for myself, right? So there is, and it doesn't mean that I ever stopped learning. It just means I didn't go to their educational system at $10,000 a semester to get it done. Anyway, I think this is an interesting story. So I wanted to bring that up first. All right, let's go to the phones before we jump in anything else. I don't want to, I'm going to lose some time here. Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Uh, Where are you calling from? Hi, my name is Chandra. I live in Anchor Point. Hi, Shonda uh, in Anchor Point. You're I'm calling because. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, there's one thing that I felt was kind of missing from all your announcements this morning was that um, you know there's a protest going on at the courthouses all around the state this morning. I'm actually on my way to one right now. And uh, I'm, I'm headed to the one in Kenai. And it's not just a protest, but it's, it's a show of support for the right and the duty of our grand jury to investigate, which is being suppressed by our Supreme Court and different judges and has been in the past by prosecutors, district attorneys, even the, <clears throat> the deputy attorney general in our state. In, in our history, in our very recent history. And so I just wanted to encourage people, if you can, come out, show your support today for the grand jury and for uh, our constitutional rights um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, for, for real justice, which comes from the people, which is the best way, our grand jury. So thank you again for taking my call, and uh, I hope people show up. All right. Well, thanks for uh, giving us a heads up on that. I did. I noticed an email from David, but I hadn't gotten a chance to read it yet. So I see it here now. Thank you for uh, thanks for uh, nudging me on that. I appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll we'll let people know exactly where and when and everything else. Uh, have a safe drive through there. Uh, apparently, um, there are uh, a statewide sit in statewide course sit in uh, going on right now. Um, uh, in uh, different areas, uh, Kenai, Anchorage, Palmer, Fairbanks, and Juneau. The protest is primarily, primarily about restoring the right of individual citizens to appeal to the grand jury directly and restore the right of grand juries to investigate, indict, and report on anything the grand jury itself finds without any input, suspension, or hindrance whatsoever by government officials. Uh, there's two more reasons for the protest, but that's all going on right now, and they're going to be doing it uh, apparently all day today. Um, and uh, it should be it should be interesting stuff. Again, Kenai, Anchorage, Palmer, Fairbanks, Juno, and more. Um, you can go to uh, you can go over to uh, uh, I think this is this is part of the uh, Alaska Alaska Grand Jurors Association's website. You can check it out over there. All right, we're coming up on the break, so we're going to take it. And then when we come back, we will uh, continue discussions on the headlines, including this new piece and this tweet from the Alaskan landmine 
that talks about the size of the dividend and how maybe Ben Carpenter and the majority have changed their tune about the PFD, although I don't know if I should read it that way. We'll let you decide because we've got the actual pieces and parts and bits and bites and and uh, we'll continue that discussion in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, Free Thinking Radio. What is that? Common Sense. Regularly heard on American Radio. Um, let me go back up here. What were you guys talking about? Um, Bill did catch us the fact that we were off by a minute this morning. I'm sorry. I was in the middle of getting audio together for this whole thing that I wanted to discuss. And so it took me a little bit longer than I expected. So yes, we were actually a minute, 20 seconds late to start this morning, but not for the radio. (laughs) Oh, baby. We always hit the radio. And you guys just don't want to sit and stare. I mean, what do you want to stare at this countdown screen and just sit there and wait for it? That's that's. I've I figured we'd we'd give you the we'd give you the we'd make it easy for you. It's all good. We always got to keep you guessing. Keeps the day interesting, says Terry. Yep, got to keep them guessing. All right. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, light snow in Homer. Well, it's a little cool this morning. Uh, I was. Uh, I was uh, laying in bed in the middle of the night thinking, ooh, it's got a little chill here. In the What's going on? Eight degrees right now. Uh, eight degrees uh, out here in uh, at the old radio ranch. Um, and it's windy, apparently, out at the fish hook. So there you go. Um, scrolling down, Peltola, Breezy and Kasilov. College is a joke for those who still have their head in the sand. I mean, there is a use for college. I'm not saying that there isn't, especially, you know, trades like, you know, engineering, the medical trades, uh, you know, lawyers, uh, some accounting, things like that. But it, uh, you know, it's this idea that every child has to be siphoned through the chute of the assembly line into there. To come out on the other side, tens of thousands of dollars in debt with a piece of paper that, you know, I mean, how many kids are going to college that don't even know what they're majoring in? They're just going to college because that's what mom and dad thought was the best thing, you know, because that's what society has told them. That's what their guidance counselors told them. That's what their teachers have told them. That's what, again, it comes down to that kind of cookie cutter, higher education industry that's going on right now. Uh, Chris said, I heard the same results before I went to technical school. Or heard the same story, rather, before I went to technical school. Results may vary. Um, yeah, I you know, and I think that there are plenty of opportunities out there, whether it's an apprenticeship program for uh, Votech or, t- you know, technical school or one of the carpentry or the electricians unions or something like that. There's, there's a variety of options, variety of options. Um. As someone who has been a hiring manager in multiple industries, college doesn't mean anything. I actually look at young adults in college at wasting their time and unsure of their direction in life. As a hiring manager, that tells me you may up and leave any time because you may say, might may find something you like more or a better opportunity. You're not committed to a career. 
To add to that, have you seen the t- <laughs> to add to that, have you seen the types of degrees people are getting these days? Uh, you know, I mean, it's uh, you know, it's <laughs> I mean, underwater basket weaving, fluid gender studies. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just don't even know. That's the thing. You go to college and you got a degree and it's in something that is, you know, esoteric, you know, 17th century Romanian literature or something. And you're like, OK, great. You got education for education's sake. Now, what are you going to do with it? Well, I don't know, but I got my degree. So that's the important part. I mean, I just, they just don't have they just don't have it. Oh, yeah. The new reason article. Uh, there's a new reason article out. A leak in the college bubble. Um, anyone who works with a wrench has cussed the stupidity of design engineers. <laughs> we were just having that conversation yesterday. I was talking with a friend of mine who works in an aircraft, in aircraft uh, manufacturing and maintenance, and he said, yeah, there are times when we look, you know, because we are supposed to put labels on the, on, he goes, I'm looking at the layout here and it says I'm supposed to put the label inside the box that's already assembled and everything else. And you tell the engineer, how am I supposed to, well, see here, the lay, the engineer just takes his software and peels back layers and is like, you're just going to put it right here. He goes, you realize I have to take that all apart to put the label on the inside. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Um, let's 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 get going here. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Like and share, like and share. Here we do it. Okay, howdy, how are you? Uh, shall we talk uh, a little bit about this uh, tweet that came out yesterday? And I had a couple people drop this to me. Um, and then I ended up having a discussion with uh, some uh, of my <laughs> confidants, my insiders, uh, and started asking questions like, what, you know, what's going on? Um... Donna's giving me a hard time about the Romanian literature thing. It was a, she knew what I meant. She really did. It's funny. Uh, all right, let's talk uh, about this uh, tweet. Um, the press conference really didn't get, in fact, I had to really hunt uh, for the uh, for the knowledge of this press conference. It was not really covered by any of the major news outlets, even uh, even the landmine, which uh, which tweeted about it, but didn't write a story about it, uh, which I thought was interesting. I mean, luckily, apparently, I'm on the mailing list for um, uh, for the House Majority Spokesperson uh, because uh, that was the only way that I knew that there was a press conference and I was able to get a link to it uh, to be able to pull the information because, you know. I just I didn't hear anything about it. Now, the newspapers are I mean, anytime the the House Minority Coalition goes in there, oh, they get the they you you've seen there's been two or three stories already written about 
you know, House majority or the Senate majority pressers and everything that was said there. I mean, there's a breakdown of all the different things. But when the House majority does something, it's uh, this is this is <laughs> this is what it sounds like when the uh, when the House majority uh, does something. This is this is what you hear from the this is what you hear from the news media. That's that's exactly what it sounds like. You don't you don't hear anything from the news media when that kind of stuff goes on. I don't know why. Uh, you know, there is the things they're saying are not as valid. They were there. I watched the part of the I watched a big chunk of the press availability. There were reporters there from other news outlets, but there's no big story in the ADN or anywhere else talking about it. Uh anyway, so here is the tweet that um here's the tweet that came out and uh, that that uh, from the Alaska from the Alaska landmine. Oops, I pushed the wrong button. Okay, but here's here's the tweet, uh, so you can take a look at it. All right. So here's here's what they here's what the tweet says. The tweet says, asked about the size of the dividend and how the public hasn't been as concerned about the amount as in the past years. Representative Carpenter gave an interesting answer. He said we should be more concerned about the economy than fighting over the PFD. Much different tone than in the past. Which, if you take that, if you took that just at face value and took that question just at face value, you're right. That is much, that is a much different tone than in the past. So I decided well, I've got to really hear. What was not that I mean, I'm not saying that Landfield is is misquoting him. I'm just saying it's all about context, right? It's all about context. And this is one of the reasons why we're going to try and invite Representative Carpenter back on hopefully tomorrow. I'm going to see if I can get him on. I'm going to talk to him today, see if we can get him on tomorrow to talk about this. Because <clears throat> when I first read this, I was like, what? Um, because <clears throat> of the way of the way the tweet is phrased and the way, you know, it all comes down. So again, I'll read it to you. Asked about the size of the dividend and how the public hasn't been as concerned with with the amount as in the past, Representative Carpenter gave an interesting answer. He said we should be more concerned about the economy than fighting over the PFD. Much different tone than in the past. And if that was the true case, if that truly was what was said, then yeah, I that is a much different tone, and it makes me scratch my head because it's a it's a strange rationale. Because as we've talked about on the program before, the ICER study says PFD cuts have the largest adverse effect on both the economy and the jobs in all the revenue categories. It has the largest effect, so that seemed a little weird. So I'm like, we really need some context here. We really. So uh, I went out and I listened to the press release, and I'm gonna we're gonna break it down for you. We're gonna break it down for you, Barney style, right? We're gonna make it easy. So here is the question from Landfield, which I think is a good question, uh, and uh, here's here's the question that he asks. Um, Jeff Landfield, I just had a question about the the dividend. Uh, the Anchorage Caucus was um, last weekend, and. I was kind of surprised nobody, not one person, talked about a full dividend or a large dividend. In fact, many people talked about a smaller dividend. Um, the public testimony so far on the Ways and Means and some other committees has been very different than it has been, you know, four years ago when it was a big push for a lot. The governor was pushing forward. He put the full dividend in the budget, but <clears throat> it's very different now. Nobody seems to be as 
concerned about it. Do you think it's because there was a big dividend last year? Have people moved on? And, and also, what's your position? I know the Finance Committee is going to look at it, but it's also going to go to the floor. So what are we looking at for the dividend? So, I mean, a valid question for sure. A very valid question. And yes, people were talking about they weren't in the in the 40 people that testified or something. They weren't talking more about the, uh, you know, we need our full statutory PFD that I mean, people are exhausted on that point. Right. Because nobody seems to care. Nobody's is it, nobody is is talking about it. Uh, but so he asked, a, a, I think, a good question. And um, and yeah, so I think I think that's interesting. Well, Kathy Tilton took the first shot at it. So here's what Kathy Tilton had to say. Sure. We have um, been looking at, as uh, Representative Carpenter said, in ways and means we've been looking at um, every dividend bill that has come before us as far as moving the dividend out of being a political football and maybe coming up with a solution for the dividend. And I know that the House um, wants to come up with that solution. We've talked about a sustainable fiscal plan for some time. And I, I'm hoping that our our uh, partners in the Senate and, and the governor are looking looking towards um, coming up with a uh, solution for what is going on with the dividend. As we know, it's been a political football since uh, 2016 when it uh, was changed from a transfer to an appropriation. And um, I did listen to the testimony uh, in the Ways and Means Committee, and there was about, I, you know, average 40 people. I think there was 38. But it was really split down the middle of people who were looking at, you know, the, the statutory formula that they have had for the last uh, 40 years versus, um, you know, people who are looking at state services. I think we're at a time in our budget right now with in Alaska where we have been in a fiscal crisis. We have had deficits um, for several years now. And um, I think this is a time when people are looking at saying, what is it that we need our government to look like? What is the balance um, of, of what that should what that should look like. Now, there's nothing in that I disagree with. By the way, this is all coming from KTOO gavel to gavel. You can go out and look at it for yourself. Uh, KTOO's got the links up there. Um, I, 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 There's nothing that she said there that I disagree with. Um, it was kind of a softer, I mean, it wasn't a strident stance to say we need the statutory PFD. Um, it was a little concerning near the end where she talks about we need to decide what government looks like and everything else because I think, you know, because she's people were talking about state services, and that's the 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 sand trap that I think we get into. But again, nothing in there that I think said, you know, that we're not fighting for a strong PFD and everything else. And then Representative Carpenter wanted to follow up on it, and here is again. Remember uh, what what Landfield said was it, 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 he wasn't definitive on it. He just basically said that he had a different tone than in the past. He said we should be more concerned about the economy than fighting over the PFD. Um, and Ben did have an interesting take on it, although I don't know as I don't I don't know if it's uh, I don't think it is uh, dismissive or anti-PFD at all. I think that he is taking the 10,000 foot view. Here's what Representative Carpenter said. Go ahead, yeah, I Representative well. Carpenter. And I, I appreciate the uh, question, Jeff, because um, I, I would like to see a time where Alaskans are asking a question, are, what is our economy doing? Are we going to have more jobs next year than we had this year? When my kids graduate high school in May, are there going to be jobs available? Instead of what size of PFD am I going to get? I want to get to a point where state government just does the PFD and we don't have to have the conversation anymore mm -hmm. because it is distracting from getting a whole lot of things done that are more important within state government. So 
the PFD is going to take care of itself this year. We're going to have a spring forecast coming out. And that spring forecast isn't going to show that we have more economic activity in the state generating more state revenue. It's not going to show that. It needs to. That needs to be the focus of us and Alaskans is what are we going to do to grow our economy? Haggling over the PFD is not going to grow our economy. So we need to find some solution to that. To that end, that's what I'm focused on. PFD is going to take care of itself. Thank you. And that he he said that several times. The PFD is going to take care of himself, you know, and the government is just going to do the PFD with something else he said. And I thought about that. And then I realized that one of the bills that's in House uh, Ways and Means right now is a bill that would basically change again the idea uh, that the permanent fund would be paid outside of the appropriate. It would go back to the way it was. It was just a transfer. There was no debate. There was no haggling. So. I don't know if it's so much a difference in the in, in how did Landfield put it uh, in the different tone than in the past, than it is more of a just a change in um, a change in tactics because the bill is in front of way of ways and means that would essentially uh, attempt to take it back towards more of a transfer instead of being a, a political football in the appropriations process. Now, what does that look like? Um, it's more, I think it's more of a 50-50 PFD that's an automatic transfer, but it would at least take it out of the hands of the politician. So uh, when I first saw the tweet, I was like, whoa, 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 wait a second. What's going on here? This doesn't jibe with what I know in my past conversations. Uh, and But after listening to the, uh, but after listening to it, it uh, uh, and listening to the actual press release or the presser, it makes a little bit more sense because he's got the bills in front of him in ways and means that basically he's got a couple that pay full dividends and that one that pays a 50 50 outside of the appropriations that kind of takes it back to the shall transfer. Um, and so maybe that's what the whole point is here. He's trying to avoid the political footballing with the PFD to just get it to where it's a set it and forget it. And then they can move on to other things. And that money is especially the one that takes it out of the appropriations process. Oh man, because then, then you got to face the music that there is no more big pool of money to draw from. So I definitely want to talk about, um, I, I definitely want to talk about this with, uh, with Ben Carpenter. So we will see we'll see if we can get him on the program tomorrow to discuss that and to dive deeper into that. And uh, we'll uh, we'll work on that for tomorrow. Uh, anyway, what are your thoughts on that? Now that you've heard it, now that you've actually heard the answers and heard the questions, do you think it signals some kind of change? Or is it just, again, a change of tactic? Um, and I think that there's going to be. Um, I, I think there's going to be some interesting things that are going to come up. I, for one, am pulling for the uh, HJR bills that are in House Ways and Means and the House bills that are there. I am pulling for those. I'm hoping that we'll be able to get over the hurdle on some of those things. We'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens with it. All right. We got more coming up. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show continues. Phone lines are open at 907-433-3150. What do you think? Do you, are you nervous? Are you happy? Are you sad? I mean, I'm, I'm okay with it, but am I wrong? Am I wrong? <laughs> who, who are you kidding? Am I? Uh, all right. We got to go. <laughs> the Michael Duke show. Common sense, liberty-based, free thinking radio.
Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. So, uh, I mean, I think it's interesting because, again, I did have a, not a, I mean, almost a panicky moment when I read that. I'm like, did I misinterpret that? And, I mean, it's so easy when somebody, because what Landfield said here is not wrong. It is a different change in the tone, but does, is the implication of the tweet that they've changed their position on the PFD. And you could read into it that it did, but I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, he said we should be more concerned about the economy than fighting over the PFD, which true, although the PFD is a huge part of the economy. But if you look at it in the context of understanding that there are bills in there that would basically automate the whole PFD process, that it would be a transfer, that it is locked into the Constitution or it is locked into law or it just is a shell transfer. You realize you're right. Now we can now that that's taken care of and put off to the side and taken out of the the field of taken off the field of battle. Now we can focus on the economy. So um, again, I had a couple people send this to me, and they were like, "What's going on?" Um, I think that that makes a lot of. I think that that it makes more sense. Now, again, now that I've listened to it in context, this is the danger of things like Twitter and stuff, where you get 148 or 280 care, whatever it is, to be able to say something. And you're like, whoa, 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 I need some context on that. I need some big context on that. Uh, so I'm glad we got a chance to actually take a look at it and and, and hear it in context of uh, of the whole situation, because I think, again, if you look back, oh yeah, and uh, and Donna even mentioned it here in the chat room. Ways and Means has two PFD constitutional amendments, HDR seven and eight, that pay full dividends, and then Ben has a bill HB one ten that requires a fifty fifty POMB dividend to be paid by the permanent fund outside of the appropriations process. And I think that might be something that you could get a lot of people on board with, a lot of people, even in the minorities, because this affects them directly. Uh, this would be a vote that if this gets out on the floor for a vote, their people are going to have to vote for. You voted against my PFD. You voted against that. A lower 50-50 proportional. You voted against that. That, that, that that'd be a hard bullet to dodge, I think, at that point. Um, anyway, interesting. Um, it's, it's interesting, uh, that that is, uh, going through, uh, when you start talking about how using the permanent fund for government instead of dividends, it does change the conversation on the economy. I would agree with that part of it. I mean, and that was kind of what I was saying, uh, with what Kathy Tilton was saying when she, I don't have it broken down. I have to listen to the whole thing again. Um, sure. We have um, been looking at, as uh, Representative Carpenter said, in ways and means we've been looking at um, every dividend bill that has come before us as far as moving the dividend out of being a political football and maybe coming up with a solution for the dividend. And I know that the House um, wants to come up with that solution. We've talked about a sustainable fiscal plan for some time. And I, I'm hoping that our our uh, partners in the Senate and, and the governor are looking 
looking towards um, coming up with a uh, solution for what is going on with the dividend. As we know, it's been a political football since uh, 2016 when right, it uh, right. was changed from a transfer to an appropriation. And um, I did listen to the testimony uh, in the Ways and Means Committee, and there was about, I, you know, average 40 people. I think there was 38. But it was really split down the middle of people who were looking at, you know, the, the statutory formula that they have had for the last uh, 40 years versus, um, you know, people who are looking at state services. I think we're at a time in our budget right now with in Alaska. That's the part where you got 50-50 people who are looking at the full statutory and then the other half of people who are looking at state services, like somehow we have to choose here. That again, it's that false dichotomy of the either or dedicated state services versus the PFD. You can have one or the other. You can't have both. Well, no, they're both the law. So we should have both. And then something else needs to change to be able to fund that. So I would say that that is the change. That is probably the biggest change of tone in all the stuff that we talked about was Kathy's comments on that. And she was reporting on what the people were saying. So I'm not saying that that necessarily is her position. But, uh, you know, you're right, because that's what half the people said full PFD. Half the people talked about the governmental services because, again, they bought into that kind of line of it's either or. This is not a zero sum game. You know, it should not be an either or. But that's where people, you know, that's what that's what people are pushing right now. Yeah. Question mark. Don says maybe cut the budget question mark. Again, we've been talking about that on this program for years. If, you know, you could still have, what if I told you, you could still have state services and a PFD? Um, And I will talk about that here in just a second, because this next thing is going to blow your ever-loving mind uh, when you start looking at it uh, and you start talking about it. You want to cut the budgets? I mean, no, budget cuts alone are never going to get us there, but uh, it's a good start. It's a good start. Let's get back to it. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. Whew. I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. All right. Yep. The show. Um, <laughs> we've been talking about this during the break. Uh, and, of course, we there's a little snippet in there where Kathy Tilton talks about the public testimony and how it was 50% people who were pro full PFD and there were 50% who were talking about state services. And I was saying... These are the kind of people who bought into the idea that uh, it's an either-or game. You can either have the PFD or you can have state services, which has been the narrative that's been pushed by many people, Republicans and Democrats combined, that this is really that it's a it's a zero-sum game. You get one or you get the other. There's no choice. And I I argue that um, you know that that it is quite a choice. That it is a choice and. We can we we don't have to choose between those two things. What we can choose is to put the size and scope of government into a limited form so that we can have both the lawful legal statutory PFD and we can have 
necessary constitutionally provided state services. That's what that's, you know, it can happen instead of either or. And, you know, maybe Don in the chat room said, well, maybe we cut the budget, question mark. Yes. I mean, I think we've been fighting for that for years. Not that there's the political will to get it done. And we've grown the size and scope of government so much at this point that cuts alone would not get us there. I mean, there's going to have to be a concerted effort to get us to where we need to be. But cuts would be a good start. And that brings me to this story from the Alaska Beacon. After years of contentious fights, Alaska's state budget is advancing smoothly in the House. This is a story by James Brooks. And uh, it talks about how the, you know, the House Finance Committee is hearing the final reports from the subcommittees and how the uh, there hasn't been a lot of rancor because it's generally a flat budget from what the governor proposed. Um, and they're putting all this stuff in there and they're talking about it. Uh, and that most of the subcommittees have not made any changes. And then they talk about a few of the changes that have been made. So here is where it gets interesting, folks. The subcommittee in charge of the Department of Education and Early Development made the most changes from the governor's proposal. Chaired by Rep. Julie Columbe uh, from Anchorage, the Republican from Anchorage, the subcommittee cut a $900,000 department-level data project and $400,000 for two librarians at the State Library in Juneau. Let me think about that for just a second. Two librarians from the State Library in Juneau, $400,000. So $200,000 a crack for each of these librarians. Just let that sink in for a minute. Columbia says she likes libraries. But those positions have been vacant for years. $400,000 for two librarian positions that have been vacant for years. Almost half a million bucks a year just sitting there, slushing around, doing whatever they wanted to do with it. Those positions have been vacant for $200,000 per position. Uh, for years, remember when when Tammy Wilson was on, you know, we, we talked about the ghost positions, you know, what they called ghost positions, which were basically empty positions in all these different departments that have been funded but not filled, meaning the money was there, but there had never been a person in that seat for years as well. She talked about that. She said that some of these positions have been there for five, six, eight years, open, funded, but not filled. And we were talking at the time, it was over 2,000. I think it's upwards of 3,000 now empty positions around the state. She had the number, but it was between two and 3,000 empty positions that had been funded, but not filled. But $400,000 for two librarians in a position that's been vacant for years. And Columbia cut it out. Good for her. Good for her. $400,000 for two positions. And they've been just sitting on that money for how long? It's crazy. 
The subcommittee also redirected 385000 to hire two additional reading specialists intended to help implement the Alaska Read Act. I'm in the wrong position. I'm in the wrong job. $385,000 to hire two additional reading specialists. Again, near enough to 200000 bucks a year that it don't make no never mind at that point. I should be a reading specialist with that kind of language, right? I mean, again, I think the Reads Act is great. I think we need to be. But again, I'm looking at these costs and I'm like, and how long have these positions been empty? Asking for a friend. Let's go over here to the phones before we run out of daylight. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, again, this is Chandra from Anchor Point. I was calling about this topic that you're discussing right now. You're keeping me awake from my way to protest. Okay, good. Um, Yeah, but I I just, I, I wanted to say something that's been said for how long. Uh, every time the government grows, and especially in a time of an economic downturn, the people are tightening their belts. You know, I know families across the state that are, they're making cutbacks. They're having to, um, you know, cut things out of their budget. It's time for the state to cut their budget. We shouldn't be seeing our government, uh, you know, building the proverbial palaces in the time of economic downturn. And and like you're talking about, I just want to say something to the budget that you're talking about for these librarians. Oftentimes, you'll see um, in their budget that that, that, that 400000 for two librarians, it's not just their salary usually, it's also their benefits. So, they're not necessarily taking that home, you know. Um, but but I don't. I I also think that's still a little bit excessive because I know what teachers make, so um, that's considerably more. Uh, anyway, but so I agree with you, and I just I think it's terrible what we're seeing that our government would grow when the people really are struggling, and they're growing off the back of our. Uh, of our, of our hardship. So, um, hey, well, we need to do better. Yeah, no, and I mean, I think this is part and parcel of what Rob Myers and I were talking about uh, in the past with this disconnect between the public and the private economy. As you said, the economy on the private side is struggling. People are struggling. People are having to make cuts. And the government's like, cuts? What are those? Because they're disconnected from the whole process. And I realize that the $200,000 per person is not 100% full salary, but it's salary and benefits. But still, 200000 bucks. I mean, that's a, that's a, oof, baby, that's a, that's a big jump right there. 200000 that's a, that's quite a kick uh, for something like that. So, um, all right. Well, I appreciate you calling in again. Good luck at the uh, protests or the sit-in or whatever we're calling it down there at the courthouse. Uh, again, I hope you have a, a safe drive, and thanks for thanks for tuning in and listening this morning. All right, well, we, we got to get ready to go here because uh, State Senator Mike Shower is going to be joining us in just a minute, and uh, we will be uh, catching up with him and getting things ready to rock and roll. It is the Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Uh, Mike Shower comes up next. Uh, hopefully tomorrow we are going to try and see if we can get Kathy Tilton and Ben Carpenter on. That would be 
ideal if we can, uh, at least one of them. On Friday, Dr. John Lott will be joining us to talk about uh, his latest pieces uh, on the battle over guns. Uh, also, we're going to be having the big Open North American Championships uh, on Friday and Saturday and Sunday in Fairbanks. So I'll be up there in Fairbanks for that. That'll be fun stuff. Uh, we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. We got more coming up. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. If you got to go, be kind, love one another, live well. Kevin says every department has them, uh, uh, empty ghost positions, right? I mean, how many, how many positions and how long, you know, what I'd like to see is I'd like to see a chart of how many positions are open and how long they've been vacant and what the total, what the cost is for each one. And then a total, I'd like to know, because like I said, I think uh, again, I think when we had Tammy on the last time we had Tammy on, which has been a couple of years now since right before she left the legislature, we talked about this. And I, I mean, it was two to three, 2,600 something. I mean, it was a huge number of these ghost positions, these fill, funded but not filled positions. And many of them, again, had been had been uh, filled, uh, unfilled for years. I mean, that that's the insanity. That is the insanity of what's going on. But they are specialists, which means they command a higher salary. Um, well, uh, okay. 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 Uh, anyway. Uh, let's see. Blow my mind. It's going to take quite a bombshell. I'm old and have seen some stuff. <laughs> That's what Brian said. Because I said it, I said what I was going to talk about was going to blow your mind, and you're like, it's going to take quite a bombshell. I don't think he's probably that shocked about that because, but when I I just looked at it and I was like, four hundred thousand dollars for two positions that have been unfilled for years, plural. So just think about that: half a million bucks, half a million bucks, half a million bucks, half a million bucks. How many PFDs could that have paid? Right. How many full PFDs could that have paid? A hundred? A hundred full PFDs could have been paid out of that? For positions that were, again, it's not like we're talking about cutting back on services because these are positions that were empty for years. They've still been receiving the service that they needed because those positions were empty. It's just... Just insane. Chapter 19. All right. Let me uh, let me get. Uh, I don't want to play you my audiobook. I want to get Mike Shower on the line. Let's get that going on, shall we? Your call has been forwarded to an. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. I'm just saying. Oh. Okay. All right, we'll see if Mike Shower gives us a ring here in just a second here. He's supposed to be calling in this morning because he doesn't have a computer available 
to do the fancy video stuff, which is unfortunate, but that's how it works. Uh, don't forget, if you'd like to help support the show, that the Common Sense Core is here for you. For you and me. That's how you help support the show, the Common Sense Core. Go over to patreon.com slash Show, or you can go to uh, michaellukeshow.com and click on Join the Core. Either one of those things will get you squared away. And you could help support the show for as little as a cup of coffee. Not even a good cup of coffee. I think it's like three bucks. That's not even good coffee at that point. That's just like, that's like the smallest little thing. Um, it's definitely not a, uh, not, not a backbreaker, but every little bit helps. All right, let's try this again. See if we can get a hold of him. Hello. Hello. Yeah, actually, this is what happens when you turn the phone on this time. That's how it works. Mm. <laughs> That's so. How are you doing this morning, my friend? How's it going? Good. How you doing? You know, just another beautiful day in paradise. We're just uh, ready to get in on it and get things uh, ready to rock and roll. You, uh, you all, you all, uh, ready yourself? You, you excited? I'm, I'm all that. I'm excited. Can't you tell? I can tell you're excited and all that. That's what I was. That's what I was looking for. Was a little bit of excitement. Mm. Uh, don't, uh, yeah, don't, do my best. don't hurt yourself, man. Don't, don't hurt yourself with the level of excitement that you're talking about. Here. Calm down a little bit. Yeah. Calm, calm down. Do Just calm down. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> um, all right. So how are things going down there? I mean, give me a, give me a brief, we're, we're 90 seconds out here. Give me a brief little, you know, on a scale of one to hell, how, how are you doing here? Oh, fine. I mean, it's in some ways it's kind of entertaining. To sit back, you know, if it wasn't for, you know, I think the state's about to crash here. I mean, it's, it was kind of entertaining to watch the uh, the Senate um, with the diverse viewpoints of the coalition. Um, it is rather interesting to watch how this is going to play out. Because I'm like, you know, no socially divisive issues. Okay, check. That's not going to work out. Um, well, then I noticed. Be wait a second. Wait a second, because I noticed that in one of the news reports, it was like no socially divisive issues that wouldn't easily pass. That was added at the uh, end at one point, and I'm like, oh, so there's a new. Oh, we've changed the deal yet again. It could be socially divisive as sure as you know that you've got all the votes to get it passed. Yes. And so that's one little addendum, you know, they'll, they'll, yeah, yeah, whatever, uh, you know, socially or fiscally conservative check. That's before the BSA defined benefit increases that are going to guarantee the PFDs taken. Um, so there's that. Um, so it's just, you know, yeah. eh, it's funny <laughs> to sit back and watch. Funny um, in a way. Funny haha or f- funny as in off. Um funny our, as in the funny farm. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's what it is. All right, well hold the line, my friend. I'll be right back to you here. We're coming okay. up on it. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Mike Shower is our guest. We return right after this. Let's get it going on. Here we go.
buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live across the world on the internet uh, at MichaelDukesShow.com and around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. It is The Michael Dukes Show. Hour two on Wednesday, which you know what that means. It means the shower hour of power comes on board. State Senator Mike Shower joins us, who's in a member of the unofficial... I don't know, unofficial minority. You know, whenever I think of Mike Shower, I think of that kid uh, looking in at the uh, at the at the candy store, the toy store, with his face kind of mashed up against the window, watching all the other kids play. But in this instance, this kid has a pocket full of firecrackers, and you never know when he might uh, jump out there and do something good or crazy, or good and crazy. Uh, so let's uh, let's jump in right now and get joined uh, by uh, State Senator Mike Shower. Uh, who is with us this morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? I am doing very well. And yourself? You know, no complaints. No complaints at all. Um, All right. Uh, So, Mike, uh, first things first. I mean, things are just going swimmingly in the uh, in the Senate, right? I mean, I just saw the article that said, uh, yeah, they've 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 advanced that school funding bill. They're going to get all that out there. They're going to get their thing. They're talking about the defined benefits and everything else. And uh, this is just a this is just a train, right? They're just pulling pulling down the track um, from the outside looking in. Tell me, what does that look like? Well, first as always, Mike, I start off with a hearty welcome to the staff that is forced to listen to your program <laughs> every morning. <to> translate anything <laughs> I say that can and will be used against me in the court of the. Uh, of the uh coalition opinion yeah um, so exactly. there's that and then the you know a hearty welcome to your 100 listeners so called as we remember from the campaign trail oh right yeah um there's there's only 100 <laughs> listeners like, in the whole state that's right yeah it only has like 100 listeners who listens to that show anyways um so just that to start off so it is train wreck you were saying something about that or uh, well, is it a train no, I, I think I'm it's a, a train confused. i don't know i mean you you tell me is the train smoothing is it swimmingly just kind of going smoothly down the track or is the bridge out and it's going to be bad news at the other end what 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 do you what do you say as you watch this whole thing what are you looking at well you know like we were talking on the break before you started you have a coalition that you know this is amazing to watch in a strange and twisted way the diversity of ideological thought um, is just so untenable. For it. It's like, like uh, you know, there are some really far left of you know center you know uh, folks in this coalition wanting to do all kinds of crazy stuff, and you know, and of course, you can't really say you have anybody too far right of center if anybody because those the the ones that are the conservative ones are in the Senate minority that you were speaking of, the unofficial official. 
three-person Senate minority. And uh, so it is, you know, on the whole, a very left-of-center coalition, you know, because it is Democrat-controlled. So you you talk about, you (laughs) make the mention of no socially divisive issues. Oh, wait a minute. Um, Somebody threw at the end of that from the, you know, all of the press conferences, no socially divisive issues that have enough votes to pass. There's that little, the right. like the guy talks really fast at the, yeah, all the commercials. Exactly. And, you know, we have uh, sales on the cars, you know, $7,499. There's only two of those things. You recommend that and get them right now because there's still, and they do the little fast speak thing. You're like, what, what did they say? So yeah. what's the disclaimer know, oh, yeah, say? Also, yeah. Cause we heard, we heard no socially divisive issues. And then in the newspaper uh, yesterday or day before, uh, when they were talking about the Senate committee bill, they're like, oh, no socially divisive issues uh, unless you have the votes to pass it, basically, unless it unless, it, you know, unless it's not going to be contentious on the floor. In that case, do all the socially divisive. Wait, I thought it was supposed to be no socially divisive issues, period. No, no. Now they're going to do the LGBTQ plus IA, what all the other stuff they're going to do. They're talking about getting that bill in there because we're going to get that passed. Um, but uh, again, it, it's, you know. It's one of those things I've altered the deal. Pray that I don't alter it any further. Well, Mike, I mean, come on. I mean, you sit there and watch the promises from the little press conferences at the end of, you know, last year when everybody was crowing about, oh, look, it's a coalition and it's bipartisan and it's going to be fantastic kumbaya and, and we're not going to do this and we're going to do that. And I'm like, no, you're not. I said, no, no, you aren't because you're – way far apart, you know, on the issues in many cases. And then, of course, you're going to have to deal with the House that's not going to want to touch any of these issues. You're already seeing it. I mean, goodness gracious, um, you're calling Laddie Shaw a coward. I'm like, first of all, the AFL-CIO, you know, knuckleheads um, that said that and wrote it certainly wouldn't say that to Laddie's face um, because Laddie's far from a coward considering that probably most of them never touched the military or served in it um certainly never saw combat and you have a guy that was in vietnam on two tours you know on the seal teams give me a break furthest thing from a coward you can get but you dare to call him that because the guy decides to do the right thing to actually take a defined benefit plan you know and put it into a subcommittee to vet it further and study it right. because it's going to cost us billions right. of dollars. Yeah, how and, d- oh, he's a coward. Yeah, how you know? dare like, you ask about how much something costs? That's cowardly if you ask about how much something might cost us in the future. I mean, shouldn't yeah, we I just, shouldn't I just read it. What? I'm sorry. I say shouldn't we <laughs> should, I just, I... <laughs> No, you go. No, you go. No, no you go. I'm going to let you go right now. Go ahead. <laughs> So I just read yesterday an article on one, uh, the defined benefit plan of the Senate, um, and that senator's defined benefit plan, there was like all these different paragraphs and there's all this stuff and talked about how it was so needed and we have to do this to retain and recruit and all this stuff, not one mention anywhere in there about the cost. The cost of it and where the money was going to come from was never touched. Same thing in the BSA discussion. Oh, we really need this for all these different things. Nowhere was the cost ever discussed. How they were going to fund it, you and I both know, and your program listeners know all too well, where the initial money is going to come from. They're just going to take the PFD. 
Now, what's funny is they say we need this for those state employees. It's so desperate. We have to have, you know, if these thousands of state employees, we have to have recruitment and retaining. They would just have to be able to do this. They don't talk about the fact they're going to hurt the poor. They're going to hurt children. They're going to hurt senior citizens. They're going to hurt people that are disabled on a fixed income by taking that PFD. But boy, those state workers, we got to take care of one of them, Mike. I mean, that's a, that is a priority. So once again, what are we doing? We are focusing on in this legislative body, at least in the Senate, and we are taking care of the state first. The public sector is the most important thing. And you see some of the big unions stepping up for it because they know that a lot of the gravy train, their money, supply, comes from that state uh, as far as what they do for projects and other things. So it is disheartening, unfortunately, to watch the priority of a good portion of our legislative body, legislators, including a lot of Republicans, and the Senate um, being a part of this and going the states first. We're going to take care of the state. Private sector, yeah, whatever. Good luck. Hope you survive. But we're going to make sure the state's well taken care of because you're going to take it, Mike. You take all the money. You're going to take virtually all the revenue, all the taxes, you know, the, the permanent fund earnings, oil, everything. It's mostly focused on the state. And that is a subset, right, a small subset of the total state when you look at the private sector and, and the job market that we're struggling to, you know, hold on to what little we have. So, yes, yeah, a little disheartening, and I know that was a bit serious there for a moment, but that one is, you know, just gained steam. Um, that one senator's bill in the Senate and then the other stuff going on in the House. So we'll see what the House is able to to put some sanity into this and stop this madness. Um, you know, there's the finance operating finance co-chair was part of the effort to kill the defined benefit plan about 10 years ago or so. Um, so I'm curious to see, you know, where some of these people are going to fall on this fine benefits, Mike, because I had a conversation with one of them a few weeks ago, about a month ago now, and I said, you on board with this defined benefit thing? Well, no, you know, I said, well, what are you guys going to do to stop it then? I said, because it seems to me you got the votes to pass it. So, you know, I don't, I don't know um, how this is going to play out. So you had a combination of, since they're not going to tell you the money, you know, over the course of the next five to 10 years, billions of dollars for education by itself and defined benefits for those 20,000 something state employees. Um, you know, you can, you can do the old kiss goodbye, the permanent fund dividend. We know that's, that's going to go by the way of the dinosaur, or it will be some very small poultry amount left over. I've seen the uh, bills coming out now. They're getting all um, happy and giddy about uh, combining the earnings reserve account into the permanent fund corpus, right? So then it becomes untouchable, and we use that percent of market value. Um, I, I just, <laughs> it is, oh, Mike, there's so many things going on right now, um, you know, with this coalition, so-called, um, in a house that's not, you know, 100% strong, um, Republican is Republican controlled, but you know, it only right. takes a few of them. And so, you know, it's, it's good to see them holding, holding strong. And, uh, so far they they're able to make it work, but, um, you know, we're, we are, unfortunately, as opposed to going, we got this and we're in good shape. We're back to the, going to have to rely on a few members of the house to stop that one. going to have to rely on the governor to veto that one, you know, and, and we're looking at things like the carbon sequestration, the cap and trade, you know, and all of that's tied to ESG. Um, that's now in play here in the state. Uh, you got to 
President Biden, who everybody's like, yay, I mean, it is, and it's good news. I mean, Willow was approved. Looks like three of the five paths should be all five or whatever. At least it was approved where they'll probably stay and invest and, and actually start producing. But at the same time, turns around and puts off, you know, millions upon millions of acres of our lands uh, in this state, you know, for no development. So unless the next president comes in, hopefully a new one that's pro-development and pro-America, um, we're going to be in trouble because now you got a guy that, you know, has essentially shut this state down, really. So it's, we are, it's daunting, my friend, it's because there's all these things you and I know need to happen, but it's like, goodness gracious, every time you turn around, there's another, you know, if it's not the state, it's the feds. So, ugh. Isn't it interesting that we have uh, in this state, uh, and and really it's been a problem for, for years, decades in this state, but I would I would classify it as we have become in this state, as far as fiscal issues and planning, we've become reactionary instead of, uh, you know, instead of taking the offensive, instead of going long-term and making long-term plans, we're constantly reacting to something. We're reacting to the markets going down, the price of oil dropping, the this, the that, the other thing. And now it's a crisis. One year it's feast, the next year it's famine. Um, and we have no long-term fiscal plan or planning in this state. It's always like, what can we do for the next two years until we get reelected again? And that's kind of what we're looking at here. I mean, what kind of shiny candy can we give you this year that will make you love us for the next two years? Uh, regardless of what the cost is to the state. I mean, that's the thing. When you start looking at things and not getting financial notes or fiscal notes on some of these bills, and you have no understanding, that's like saying, well, let's build a, a you know a multi-million dollar shopping mall and uh, it'll be a great thing to have. It'll drive business. Well, what's it going to cost to heat? What's it going to cost to maintain? What's it going to cost to put a new roof on it every 15 years? What's it going to – oh, we'll, we'll, we'll worry about that later. We'll just build it now, and they will come, and it will be fantastic. And that's kind of where we're at in this state. There is no thoughts on the long-term consequences of anything that's going on. Well, <laughs> This reminds me of the building fiasco, you know, the building that was donated last year in Ledge Council, Legislative Council with that little, you know, um, cobble. Um, buying or buying is not the right word because, you know, oh, well, it's only going to be a couple million dollars. You know, it's the old uh, uh, legend, the fable of uh, the um, statesman who stood up many years ago, you know, in the U.S. Congress when the widow's house burned down, the Navy captain's widow, and he said, you know, to paraphrase, you know, it's real easy to spend other people's money. He's like, we all feel terrible, you know, but is it that every time now a widow's, you know, uh, house burns down or somebody's in trouble or another country is attacking another country, it's become our responsibility to, to fix it, solve it, you know, that's not... That's not the purpose, you know, behind it. And here we are, you know, again, I'm looking at something like that building in Juneau. It's like, oh, like it's donated to us and it's only going to be, you know, a couple million dollars. And I'm like, I voted no. And I spoke out against it. I go, this isn't good. It's going to cost way more. It's going to take a lot longer. And oh, by the way, nobody here is talking about the cost, the long-term cost. Well, we should be able to offset some of that because we're going to rent it out, you know, to the different legislators and their staff. And then, you know, maybe in the summertime, we'll rent it to some people like, yeah, like cruise ship people are going to come rent some apartment, you know, for weeks, you know, or months downtown Juneau, you know, you'd be kidding me. But, and then of course, the very next meeting, they come back, well, we have a revised estimate. It's now going to be 
seven and a half or eight million dollars probably and um you know there's some problems we're fine with it but it's just the standard thing right it's like but but mike but mike remember it's opm my friend it's other people's money it's very easy when you don't which have is, to write the check. Well, yeah, which is really great until you run out of other people's money, which is yeah, kind of where we're. Margaret once yeah, said, "Yeah, it's kind of what we're running up against here right now." All right, uh, we gotta uh, we gotta go. Uh, we're gonna come back in just a minute. Mike Shower is our guest. We'll continue with more the Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. We return to more right after these messages. Don't go anywhere. Listened to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're gonna be pissed. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. Continuing now with Mike Shower, uh, our guest in the uh, uh, in the break here right now, ready to go uh, in the uh, in the chat turnaround time. What's your interaction like, Mike, with any with with these people, especially those that you know send their staffers to hunt you down and and try and you know grapple with your speech and and do all that kind of stuff? I mean, are you do you have any interaction with these people? I can't. I just can't imagine the uncomfortable silences that must happen if you guys have to sit down at a table together somewhere. I'm just trying to imagine that right now. Well, the first thing is they don't have to sit down on the table because they guaranteed I wasn't going to have a voice and the 40,000 people I represent don't have a voice, Mike, because they didn't give us any committees to sit on. So the first thing is they were very conveniently made sure they didn't have to deal with myself or any of us, the the conservative Republicans in the Senate, the three of us, because they, they just excluded us for the most part um, from doing anything. So there's that. Um, almost everything I do um, uh, you know, cause there are certain caucus meetings, you know, like the farm caucus, the food caucus, other things that I'm involved in, there's almost none of them ever attend them. So I don't see them. And usually when they do come in, they'll look at me and they'll kind of like, you know, nod their head and they'll go sit across the room. Um, you know, Mike, look, this is like the kid again with the kid, with the, the kid caught with the, the hand, the cookie jar, you know, put the hand behind their back real quick and look at you and smile like what? I didn't do anything. They know what they did was punitive. It was wrong. They know that, Mike. This is like the kid again with the can the the hand caught in the cookie jar. They know it. Um, they know what they did um, was not going to be approved by most people um, or the public, and they did it anyways. And so you you can sense that kind of you know from some of the some of them are so vindictive about it. I don't think it mattered. Um, they were going to do it no matter what. And they don't you know what's the old saying say. You know, full speed ahead, damn the torpedoes or whatever, and you know, just do it. Um, and so it's mostly they avoid having those conversations, you know, or, or coming up. So not a lot of that. I, I have more interaction with the Democrats who are happy <laughs> because they're like, woohoo, we're in power. You know, we got committee chairs. We dominate the Senate right now. So they kind of look at us like, you know, they, they come up and say hi and they smile they're all happy with it you know it's the it's the republicans that kind of you know a few of them kind of sort of avoid you know really dealing with us at all um you know kind of the things so i just look at everybody and smile mike i mean what am i gonna do right i'm just smiling i'm laughing and joking i got no input you know to it so i'm just like whatever you know so i'm writing articles and 
talking to people and working on things in the shadows and doing my best, but it's kind of funny because it is, it is mostly a, I think, um, avoidance game and not wanting to have to deal with people that you ran over with the bus. So, um, it's a little different this year, but it is funny in another way. It kind of took chains off, right? Um, right, right, I'm right. I'm able to just kind of, I'm just able to kind of run around, talk to people, and laugh, and look at it. I go, this train wreck ain't my fault. <laughs> I have no culpability in this mess whatsoever. Right. All the garbage you guys are going to do, it's all on you. Every bit of it, you Republicans, all of it. All the craziness coming out of it, the spending, the long-term no fiscal plan, that is all on you this time because I'm not in this majority. I have no vote. I got nothing to do with it. So I'm just going to sit back and look at you guys and go, this one's on you folks, especially yeah. those you got to run next year. November said, good luck. Yeah. Cause you did this. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You got nobody to blame, but yourself at this point. I mean, if yeah. you know, if you've got to, you've got to own what you've, what you've done now. And so what does that mean for the, you know, what does that mean for your long-term future in the, uh, you know, in politics at that point. Uh, although I will argue that probably some of their, their constituencies just don't care. They're fine. They're fine. No, keep, no. keep growing yeah. it. Keep growing it last year. Clearly. Clearly, Mike, they keep coming back. So they either, the constituents don't know, don't care, or in some cases probably agree with them. Philosophically, depending on what it is. So, you know, it's like every district is not mine or the Matsu, you know, as we acknowledge this. But, you know, they also... As Senator Hughes has pointed out a number of times, you know, a majority of the state still voted for a Republican majority in the Senate. What they did not expect or desire or want, a majority of the state did not want, was a Democrat-controlled, well-left-of-center Senate coalition. Right. So regardless of all of these things, it is absolutely true yeah. that that is not what the people of Alaska voted for. That's what a uh, handful of Republicans hold, gave them. Here we go. We're jumping back into it. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. The Michael Duke Show. Seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. <laughs> pinch of intellect. Sorry. That is humorous. Here's Michael Dukes. Yep. <clears throat> We've got a pinch of intellect somewhere around here. I had it earlier. I don't know what I did with it, but it's it's here somewhere. Welcome back to the program, The Michael Luke Show. Our guest today, State Senator Mike Shower for the Shower Hour of Power. Let's get down into some of the details, Mike, and then I'll give you the last segment to uh, uh, the last segment to uh, to kind of uh, you know have free reign and talk about whatever you want to talk about. Um, but the two big issues obviously facing us right now are the defined benefits package and the uh, BSA uh, funding. Uh, now, it's reported, uh, the ADN and others are reporting that, yep, the <clears throat> Senate committee bill has advanced and, and it's moving forward and it's only going to cost us $257 million this year, but then it would be another $89 million the following year, although I don't know how they can continue to bind legislators over and do all that stuff. But anyway, it's big money. No talk, as you mentioned earlier, about um, no talk about wh where the money's going to come from uh, and how we're going to balance those costs. And then, of course, you got the defined benefits program. Um, and so here we are, what, uh, you know, give us your thoughts on these two bills as they sit out. We just talked about them briefly with the, uh, with the no fiscal notes, but is there any kind of discussion on this at all? Well, I mean, the discussion, Mike, they're not stupid. They're going to, they're going to keep the discussion and they're going to keep most of the press, which is going to lap it up and report on it that way. 
and most of the press lanes left anyways, um, they're going to keep it focused on, uh, you know, the issue of retaining state workers and getting the right talent. They're never going to talk about the cost, right, or very little. They're going to try to steer away from it because they know this is untenable. Like this is an untenable growth in cost at this point that we is this is unsustainable. Where where are you going to get? Like I said, you're going to get it from the permanent fund earnings. We know that's what's going to happen. And anybody with even a modicum of of a common sense looks like, yep, yep, going to take PFD, going to focus on the state. We're going to make sure public sector employees are taken care of first and for, foremost over everybody else. That's what's going to happen. And I'm here to tell you, my friend, once they've gone down that path. And we have another tightening of the money supply, whether the stock market goes down, whether the oil supply, cost of oil goes down. The very next thing you're going to look at is either eating away at the seed corn, because I've heard, you know, a senator say that on the floor, uh, our seed corn going to work, you know, it's going to go, well, Mr., you know, uh, you are going to be eating the seed corn because your coalition is going to pass a bill and God help us against your legislature that's going to cost us billions of dollars. Yeah, you're going to eat on your seed corn for sure. Um, and that's going to be their earnings reserve account. You know, watch that dwindle down to nothing um, to do this in this case. Because remember, Mike, these are not these are not one year costs that you can absorb for a year or two if things you know go. You know, we're petro state cycle up and down. These are long term costs you can't get rid of. Once you do this, once they enact these increases, you are stuck with them because you don't undo these kinds of programs. The old Ronald Reagan thing. So one of the things you know you. It's that government program, once it's alive, you can never really kill it. So once you increase these things and lock them into the books, they're, un they're impossible to unravel. This state does not have the willpower to do those kinds of reductions in spending. They just don't. Because every time you mention it, right, you're like the devil. Oh, you just want to kill children. You know, you just want to push grandma out of the old person's home on her wheelchair and leave her on the curb, you know, to, to freeze to death. In the I mean, that's, that's what they do. They literally say those things, right? I mean, you have a sponsor. One of the bills was basically saying that, you know, when we talk about accountability, well, that's just a thinly veiled threat for cuts to education. Nobody ever said that, but that's what they say. It always is an appeal to the emotions, Mike, not the cost, not how you're going to sustain the cost, not how you're going to take it away from the private sector to take care of a few thousand people in the public sector, not how you're going to shove this cost onto your kids and grandkids. Because remember, Mike, it's for the children. Well, I'm here to tell you, brother, this, <laughs> the, the spending spree they apparently want to go on, it's for the children, all right. right. It's for the children to pay for. Yeah. Because your children and our grandchildren are going to be paying this bill forever Yeah. Um, with where this is headed. And so it's just, it's, <sighs> you know, there are days where you just look at it and go, boy, I hope the house is up to, you know, stopping this madness. I mean, Mike, there's a reason why. Most of the private sector has gone away from defined benefit plans. There is a reason why over a decade ago, the state and other states, federal government, et cetera, getting away from the you know, defined benefit plans as best they can because they are they require you to keep a lot of money on the books. You are stuck with that person and not until they retire, right, move away, take that money with them like a 401k or a defined contribution plan, but you're stuck with them until they die. Um, these are high cost. Even the U.S. military has been getting away from these things because of the, they can't they can't afford the the personnel cost. Right, exactly. Um, you know, of, of having a long term uh, retirement plan thing. So it's not that everybody goes, well, it's, it's you know, it's really nice to have. Yeah, it's nice to have. It would be great, Mike, if we had unlimited supplies of money and we knew it. You know, great. You know, hand out cake for all my friends. The problem is we don't. 
The problem is they have been harping on us, right, for years now about the PFD. We don't have the money. This is unsustainable. We just can't do it. And all of a sudden, we have money for billions of dollars in education increase and a defined benefit plan for state workers. So it's funny how they don't have the money to follow the law and the statutory PFD and don't have the, we don't have the political courage to change it. But we got plenty of money, billions apparently, to throw at all this other stuff as long as it's taking care of the state. Right. right. So where's the, where's the conversation, Mike, about the cost? Where's the conversation how we're going to pay for it? Right. Where's the conversation about how we're going to take care of the private sector so that the other several hundred thousand Alaskans and their jobs have some chance of survival? What good is a state, you know, going to be if the rest of the state crumbles around the twenty-five thousand state workers because they're well paid for? How's that going to how's that how's that going to work out for you? You know, when are we're going to have an excellent education system? But you know, it doesn't matter because all the kids we graduate from are going to go somewhere else because there's no job market left in Alaska. Where the, well, how's that going to yeah, work out? I mean, for eventually, you, so. well, <clears throat> eventually, what you'll have is you'll have the private economy will get squeezed out. And the only private economy that will be left will be the private economy that's servicing the government economy. That's pretty much it, because there won't be any more room for anything else. Uh, and when the PFD runs out, which we heard the numbers this week from Brad Keithley, when the PFD runs out in 2028 um, and there is no more PFD money to draw from, then you'll get that little knock on your door from your television set that says, well, you know, Alaskans should just pay their fair share. We're lucky. We haven't ever had to pay, you know, income taxes like this so or sales taxes or whatever. So, you know, Alaskans, you really need to pay your fair share and we need to now tax you to pay for this big bloated government. I mean, it's all it's it's you could see it. It's plain as day. It's writing on the wall. This is where they're going. I know. And it's uh, this is a conversation, Rob, you know, Senator Myers and I have a lot. Um, he is a fan of some portion of, and I'm not going to speak for him, but, you know, he has discussed, um, you know, the idea of reinstituting, as Jay Hammond talked about, the income tax. Because you remember Jay Hammond didn't want to get rid of it. He didn't want to keep it, you know, at a high rate, you know, keep it really low, but he didn't want it to be exited off the books. Reason was, is we, part of the reason we have gotten here, Mike, is because the private sector, the oil and gas industry that is so demonized by so many Democrats and those on the left, um, both in this state and out of it, especially the federal government, and our own Deb Haaland, just crushing us from the Department of Interior. Um, and you, we got here partly because there was so much gravy on the gravy train. Everybody was getting paid. Nobody was having to pay taxes. The oil industry was just propping up bridges to nowhere. And all of a sudden, we got here to this government we can't sustain anymore um, because somebody else, we were using other people's money, Mike. Right. And now, now you look at it and you go, people just let us get here. And, and you said this, what, 20 minutes, 15 minutes? You said, mm, yeah, you know, um, people just don't care. Well, when do they care, Mike, at this point? They pretty much care when you crack into that wallet. You know, hey, right. hand over your wallet. Moose, Rocco, help the judge cough up his checkbook. Well, you know, once the, you know, Moose and Rocco knock on your door and say, crack your wallet open, buddy. And then people might start going, well, wait a minute here. Um, remember the conversation about seven, eight years ago about the income tax from Walker was getting real, you know, a lot of attention. And people started rebelling like they've been rebelling about what's happened to the PFD. They all have fatigue over the battle. This is a long time to be waging a war, you know, over this. But the point is, Mike, until people wake up, and realize that what's ultimately going to happen here is what little private sector is left, like you said, is going to be squoze, and they're going to come for your wallet for more money, not just taking the PFD, that's just once a year, 
you know, and a lot of people are like, well, that's a nice bonus to have, you know, whatever. A lot of people, it's very helpful, uh, especially the poor and, and others, as we've discussed here, children, you know, saving for the future. But imagine when it's not just that anymore. Not only do we go the other direction from, you know, I still hear people, don't they pay you to live there? I'm like, no, once a year, and it's been tiny lately, right? Not only are they going to take that away, but then they're going to start taking more of your real income away um, from your other job, you know, whatever pays the bills. That's well, the way we're headed on this, Mike, because how are you going to sustain it? You, you just simply can't because we're on a tr- It's If we would cap it, if we would sustain it, with a reasonable comprehensive plan that we've talked about that at least would put us in line with the revenue, right? So whatever money the government had to spend, that's all it could spend. It couldn't just do what we're doing right now. What could, imagine Mike, if we enacted the comprehensive fiscal plan a year ago, where we'd be, because this whole discussion about defined benefits and BSA would not be happening. It would have to be a very reasonable, very paid for, right? You'd have to show how you're going to pay for it because it would have to live within the constraints. Right. Right now we have no, no. constraints. I, I mean, I totally agree. And then we've got the, the you know, we, we can't even get the low-hanging fruit these years. We were talking earlier about Julie Columbia in the uh, subcommittee on uh, the deed subcommittee cutting out two librarian positions at the uh, library, the state library in Juneau, 400,000 bucks for two positions and said she likes libraries, but those positions have been vacant for years. We've talked about the ghost positions in this state. Hey, look, you're not doing anything shower. Why don't you and your one man team staff there? Why don't you put together a list of all the unfunded positions that are in the state with the amounts that those positions cost and how long each one has been vacant. You want to find some money? There's a way to do it right there. Mike, we've done this. We did it four years ago. Commissioner of Administration at the time, Chewbacca, showed it. Had the, It was hundreds of millions of dollars. We went through this, and we just got run right over. Yeah. The public sector unions came after everybody. They started threatening the legislators behind closed doors. You know, the next thing, you know, well, that's not really, and, and we had state agencies that I would tell you, in my opinion, flat out lied to us. Oh, well, those aren't really 75 positions that are open. I mean, you know, we have seasonal hires and we have cyclical hiring and, you know, we, we, we're working on some people, you know, that there was a reason I've asked that question, Mike, in countless subcommittees on the floor, in hearings, have the data, showed it was hundreds of millions of dollars, and that's as far as it went. Yeah. That's it. I'm, I'm telling you, Mike, most of the things when I hit people, we go to like town hall back at the beginning of January, you know, and the one guy in the back room was yelling about, oh, I hear is can't, and this, that, and the other. And I'm going, everything they said, every idea that came up, I looked at them and said, every single thing every one of you have said in here, I have tried. Or, and, or somebody else sitting up here in the docks, you know, not just me. Right. I have tried that. I have done that. I have asked those questions. I have pushed that bill. I have thrown that amendment on the floor, shot down every single time this is not a conservative state mike this yeah. is not florida where ron DeSantis has a red legislator with a super majority behind him that gets to do all these things and he goes look at this stuff and people go he's great well what happens when you get to you know president and all of a sudden next thing you're like well now you got a senate controlled by democrats or house controlled by democrats and they won't do that yeah or they push and go the other direction on stuff right, right. Like, we gotta we gotta we gotta pull the plug for a minute here all right all right back with more the michael duke show continues common sense radio Woo. 
listened to by more staffers in Juneau than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're gonna be pissed. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. That must have been subliminal. I meant to put, I meant to play the other one, but that uh, that still probably works out just right. Um, <clears throat> you know, th- this is what blows my mind, Mike. I mean, going back to this whole ghost position thing, like you said, people have been talking. Tammy Wilson was talking about it. She brought it out, and she talked about it on the floor. She's talked about it in subcommittees. I mean, where we've got the dozens and dozens and hundreds and thousands of positions that are funded and not filled, and many of them not filled for years. So we're not talking about a loss of state services because they've been providing the state services with fewer people. They've just been taking that money and they've been doing other things with it. I mean, this library, 400000 bucks for years has just been sitting there. And it, you know, it, 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 it's mind-boggling. It, it just shows, I think, like you said, it just shows that there is no political will to cut the size and scope of government. And I don't know what the solution is. I mean, do we get more real, true conservatives in there? How do we get, especially when you got players? <laughs> I know. I mean, when you got when you got players in there who are the old guard, the powers that be, that they're never going to get unelected in their districts, right? So they're going to keep coming back. Uh, and they've got the they've got the moxie and the wherewithal and the and the institutional knowledge to game the system, to to shuffle people around and put people on the outside like you and Shelly and and Rob. I mean, th- <clears throat> I mean, I don't know, Mike. I mean, at this point, I I just don't even know what to say. Well, Mike, you have again, like we were saying, you know, right before the break. This is not Florida with a supermajority of conservative legislators in a red state where the governor can, you know, has a ton of support behind them and they can actually move and do things. This is a, in some ways, very dysfunctional. You know, we go back to the binding caucus. You go back to this power sharing thing where every single state in the country, including the federal government, God help us, um, when a party reaches 50% plus one, they're in power. There's no power sharing. There's no switching sides. They're in power. I had this conversation with our own U.S. federal senator, Dan Sullivan, when he was here, you know, a month ago down in Juneau. We were talking as I explained this binding caucus, and he's just looking at me cross-eyed like, what? I mean, here's Dan, who's, you know, been around the the state government for a number of years, attorney general and other stuff, and and a commissioner, and he's like, what? And he's just looking at me like, that's insane. I'm like, but Dan, that's how we do business here. He's like, we don't even do that in, in the U.S. Senate. I'm like, I know you don't, Dan. That's why I'm making the point. You know, it's like, but here in Alaska, yeah, we cross sides all the time. We have this unethical binding caucus that allows a handful of people to control the whole state and everything. They've got ultimate power. We just do things here that are so cockamamie upside down compared to the rest of the country. It's mind-boggling. People go, oh, I thought Alaska voted for Trump. Yeah, I did. Well, I thought Alaska is a red state. Yeah, I know you do. But, you know, it's not a red state. It's a libertarian state. It's a, it's a pretty independent state. But it's not a red state. Um, and so when people say, well, we're just going to vote you out, you know, and they talk about it like, no, you're not. That ain't happened. You know, you keep saying it. The five more conservative members, you know, every single one of those lost in the last election last November. So there should have been eight of us. Right. Well, there ain't eight of us. Now there's three. So, you know, that's not helping with this. And of course, you have massive outside money flowing into the state. 
right? You got a bill like the House member had last year, you know, to have the campaign finance reform. You know, well, that's great, except the Democrats know that it works in their favor. Of course, they want to shut down how much money a Republican can get to, you know, fight for political survival because they know they're going to get the unions. They know they're going to get all the free labor and help they have because that's not counted for in campaign finance. Mike, unions can bring in their members and show them how to fill ballots and do ballot collection and ballot harvesting and use their people and send them out to go hold signs on the street corners while being paid. I know because I've talked to them on those street corners, and that's totally okay. They don't have to report that as you know campaign ex- events, but Republicans don't get that advantage. So there's a lot of these things going on like that, and that's why I look at it and go, guys, this is not such an easy problem. Just go, we'll just vote them out. We're, that's not working, right? And, and we now we're at, now we start what thirteen Republicans and twelve now eleven, not going in the right direction on no. that one, my friend. No. So, uh, uh, Jer- Jerica said, "Did he say somewhat dysfunctional? Massive understatement. Somewhat <laughs> yeah. dysfunctional. I mean, that's like you know." Touche. That's like saying water is somewhat wet at that point. I mean, it it is just, I mean, yeah, we are massively dysfunctional uh, in the state. And I just don't see, I mean, we're going to see what happens today with the spring revenue forecast. But uh, uh, in light of that, in light of the banking problems we're having right now, the stock market's wobbling all over the place. Now oil is taking a plunge this morning. I mean, we could have, you know, it could go well below 70. I mean, they were saying 70 was going to be the bad side for the spring forecast. It could be 50, 60. It could be anywhere in that area. And it's going to be painful, painful. It'll be a painful lesson for the state because we won't have enough money to do anything at that point. We'll be so far in the hole, we won't even be able to see. We'd have to dig up to see daylight at some point. All right. I'm sorry. We got you, you, you have to be quiet yourself. There's the ding. Now it's yeah, you. Exactly. Ah. Uh, hold the line. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Yep, that means it's time to fight. No, it doesn't really mean that. Welcome back to the program, The Michael Duke Show. Mike Shower is our guest. One final segment here on the show this morning. As we uh, continue on with the Shower Hour of Power, this is just uh, a chance for our, well, for my lone senator to uh, just tell us like it is. I mean, since he's on the outside looking in, has no power, no authority, can't do anything other than just you know, analyze and throw jabs from the shadows. Uh, we thought we'd give him a forum to do that. And uh, here he is to talk with us this morning. One final segment where we'll kind of give you the floor, Mike. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Any bills that you're trying to, I mean, I don't mean to laugh, but any bills you're trying to move forward or anything else or anything, you know, the the grand jury stuff, whatever you want to talk about. I'll, I'll throw it open to you and you can just hit us with it here on the way out the door this morning. Well, I mean, we, we've been complaining about all the bad stuff. I mean, everybody knows it. And I hate to always be the, you know, the downer and things. But I, I do believe, as you know, in telling people the truth. I don't believe hiding from it or painting it on a, you know, as a rosy picture is appropriate or valid as an elected official. I think that people need to know the truth on what's going on. And the truth is not great right now in the state. Fiscally, um, socially, 
you know, we've got we got issues, Mike, you know, from the state, the feds. I mean, just a lot of things going on. Excuse me. Also, they have the hiccups. I don't know why. So, you know, people need to know that. But there there are positives. There are always some things that are going on that are good. I mean, Willow being approved is, is important. We're not going to get as much tax money for the state because it's out of NPR, you know, so people don't realize that. This is not like the legacy fields. Um, we're going to get some from it. And, of course, you know, some long-term jobs, construction, et cetera. So that's all positive. Those are good things, um, but not as much revenue for the state. That's one thing I think a lot of people don't realize. It no, does keep the pipeline it viable. Co- it costs right? us money. I mean, but Keith Lee was talking about that earlier this week. It actually yeah. costs us money. For the first eight years. I mean, it actually costs us tax money because of the tax holiday and everything else. And so we won't see that money for the next eight years. That's why he said, okay, now we got Willow. Now we need to focus on getting PICA because that's on state lands and that will have an effect. That's, that's, that's correct. And, you know, that's the, that's the point, you know, I think people need to understand that is a positive in keeping the pipeline alive, right? And getting oil into the pipeline, but it's not going to be this panacea that also, no, we got 200,000 extra barrels a day. Yeah, but that doesn't directly translate into money into the state to pay for all this stuff that apparently now, you know, we're going to be starting to have to pay for because um, it's just going to, like I said, we're on this wildly increasing spending curve. But some other things, I mean, just legislatively talk about it, be some positives. Look, the GD's out of the bottle on the, leg- on the uh, judicial branch, right? Um, we can take credit for that because you and I have been talking about it. Our office got that a couple of years ago, filed that bill, but now they're they're upset because they they understand we finally figured it out. You don't need a constitutional amendment to change this. Constitution already says the lower courts can be a, can actually be you know appointed by the legislature if we so choose. And so now that has been picked up by members of the House. The governor's talking about it. Other outside organizations are talking about it. And you got the grand jury issues going on where everybody is starting to be aware the judicial branch is is run amok in some ways in the state. And primarily what I'm talking about, Mike, is that untouchable branch, right? They get there and they can do what they want. And nobody can touch them. And our own Constitution says, well, no, actually, we can. And other states have gone that way, going away from this merit plan. I had that interesting exchange with a senator and on the state affairs committee when we heard the bill the first time and i'll be surprised if i get to hear it again maybe i will who knows but i mean i'm confident it's not going to move to the senate but that senator's like well are you aware of any times that there's ever been an issue i'm like well um no because i asked the i asked the rhetorical question of this question and i said this is kind of like um you know has any legislator ever owed a big donor anything you know well oh, that's not the question i asked i'm like I know it's not the question you asked, but this is the germane question, because you're asking me whether or not a person, in this case a magistrate, owes any sense of loyalty or obligation to the judge that appointed him into the magistrate position. You know, how could you know that, Mike? You can't, and they know that, right? So, but when you remember, there's 112 judges currently actively in the state. I think it's 112. I had that number read. Oh, about a third of them, over a third, are magistrates. Did you know that those magistrates are they don't go through the system to be appointed like the rest of our judges. They are appointed by the, the regional district judge who both appoints them and then essentially runs them. Did you know that? Didn't know that. Most people don't know that. The magistrates, which are over a third of the judges in this state, don't even go through the judicial council process, my friend. They are appointed by those other judges, even further removed from having any input from the democratic process or the people. And yet our judges sit here and say, well, this is a perfectly acceptable, you know, everything's fine. And Mike, it's, it's ridiculous with this. 
right? So that's out of the bottle. The genie's out of that bottle. And I think we're making progress because people are picking up on this and you're seeing the grand jury things happen and the Supreme Court making its own rules up and basically taking away, if you will, trying to take away. The only thing that people have left, that tool, the toolkit, is that um, grand jury, right? And so that's a positive to see movement on that front. It's a positive to see development on, you know, NPR. And hopefully we work on the other state land. Um, there's just a lot of daunting problems too. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be honest about it, but I'm also trying to look for, you know, the, the house seems interested in, in slowing things down and taking a hard look at them. So that's a positive because it's not like, you know, Mike, if the house was the way it was the last six years and the Senate was the way it was right now, we were we, so, so much trouble right now. I'd be looking at the governor and go, Mike, how big is that red pin of yours, my friend? You better pull that thing out and start swinging it because we got problems. So, um, but, you know, look, Mike, we're Alaskans. Um, I think we, we are going to have to figure out where we can fight back, where we can hold the tide off, stick more fingers into the dam, right, and prevent that thing from collapsing on us because ultimately a lot of this is about reigning our fiscal house in order. Um, we want investment in this state, but like we've said a hundred times on this show, who wants to invest in Alaska if you don't know what the state's going to do? It's unstable. And now we are once again demonstrating how unstable we are because even though we know we don't have the money to do it, they want to start spending money like crazy and shackle us with this debt. And what does a business do? Think about it, my friend. What does a business owner do? They look at this and they go, huh, yeah, um, Alaska, why do I want to go there and invest? Because they're just spending money not to insult drunken sailors, but spending money like drunken sailors. And um, who are they going to come after? when they need more money. Clearly, they're gonna come after me as the business owner. I mean, how, many, how often they've been talking about going after the oil industry, right? right? right. Um, you know, for all the money. No, the and uncertainty. then the citizens are next. That's why so, we're, yeah, that's, that's, know, why we're that's why we're 49th on the business index, right? I mean, for, uh, yeah. for friendly places to do business, we're down at the bottom of the pile. I mean, we continue to spend more money uh, per capita than almost any other state in the union, and we're at the bottom for everything, everything. And it's, you know, and, and nothing is going to change. Here's the thing. It's like that. It's like that. Uh, it's like the whole alcoholic situation, right? Where they've got to hit rock bottom before they really admit that there is a problem. And then they try and rebuild themselves. That's the problem. I, we're going to we're going to have to hit rock where the state is going to almost have to be insolvent before something is going to happen when we could have stopped it so much sooner and could have made it so much easier. But instead, I think that's what's going to have to happen. They're going to have to suck all the money out of the state. People are going to leave in droves. Our population will drop to 500,000 people, and that'll be it. Well, maybe. That that mean, I, I can't discount that, Mike. I don't know. I mean, maybe you got to go back to an income tax where people are getting hammered for the cost of the state, and all of a sudden they realize, that's it, I'm out of here. Maybe what's happening in California and New York where all the big wealthy, you know, wealthy billionaires, billionaires, and businesses are leaving. And those states are, are starting to have significant issues with that. And, you know, some of them are starting to backpedal a little bit. Maybe that's what it takes, you know, to get to that point. I don't know. It, it's just when you ride the gravy train for this long, you know, Mike, you kind of get to the point where we are now, where now with the gravy starting to dry up, all of a sudden it's like, uh-oh, what are we left with? And, and you know, what are you going to do? So right. there's a lot of, uh, there's a day of reckoning coming on this. There is. And 
maybe them enacting some of these programs is just going to accelerate the day of reckoning. You know, maybe it needs to happen sooner rather than later. I don't know. Um, you spend the money and go broke. You know, what's the saying right now? Go, go woke, go broke. Um, that's kind of part of what the state's doing now. Maybe that'll get us to the point where we go broke sooner and we'll finally force um, the hard decisions because clearly they are not interested in making some of the hard decisions right now because yeah. we're not going in the right path of fiscal conservatism or a balanced comprehensive fiscal plan so i, I don't know brother i mean i it's it's kind of a down week that way when you look at it um but you know for me perspective wise all i can do is sit back and tell you guys what i'm seeing and watching the bills because i i have uh, i have no input into it right yeah. now other than just watching so, well, well, keep, keep us, you know, I am working the shadows. You are. You're working it. Jabbing from the shadows, as I said earlier. Mike Shower uh, has been our guest, The Michael Duke Show. Thanks for coming in and joining us. Tomorrow is another day. We will see you then. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. We'll see you then. All right. Uh, final thoughts, Mike. I give you the floor for final thoughts here on the way out the door. Uh, before we go, I think that's all the thoughts we need, my friend. It's such a down. It just I feel it, it is terrible. kind of it is kind of a downer. I mean, you look at what's going on nationally, you know, with the banking stuff and, and the uncertainty there, and then everything else, and you look at what's happening in Alaska. And I mean, I've I've come to the conclusion over the last couple of years that. As much as as hard as I try to fight, as much as I try to put the information out there, as much as I try and bring folks like you on who've got the insight and the insider knowledge and everything else, nothing is changing. And I've kind of come to the conclusion that that it's exactly like the it's exactly like the alcoholic. They're so into their own thing. They just cannot see until they absolutely hit rock bottom. And unfortunately, if the state hits rock bottom, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be hurt and it could have been avoided. And unfortunately, they don't care because they don't care to look outside the box or look outside their own little special interest groups or whatever. And it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt big time. But I think that's the only, you know, it's like, how do you unpickle a pickle? You don't. You throw it on the ground, you stomp on it, and you go get a new cucumber. Maybe that's what we're going to have to do. I, I just don't know at this point. Yeah, Mike, I mean, I'm like you. I'm trying. You can see this coming, you know, a mile away trying to be a part of enacting solutions that will help, you know, kind of hold the line and we're just ignored. And, you know, sometimes you sit back and now there's, like I said, I'm part of me kind of implied the old Roger, as I call it the Roger Holland philosophy on politics. It's like, do you really want to be a part of that dumpster fire? You know? So there's a part of me that almost thanks them for kicking me out of any chance of being in a, in a coalition or a caucus. Cause I'm going, I don't know if I want to be a part of that mess. I mean, this is right. just, it, is so we're going so fast and so far in the wrong direction here on this that I'm kind of going, well, thank you for putting me on the outside because at least I can look at my constituents and go, not my fault. I voted yeah. no on all that garbage. I've yeah. been proposing plans and solutions for years and being ignored. So at least I can look honestly, you know, into my constituents faces and answer the question that goes, not on me, folks. I have tried. Well, and yeah. it really, our, our last hope at this point, as you said earlier, is how big is the governor's red pen? I mean, I'm, you know, I don't have a high hope that the governor is going to be really ambitious with his vetoes. But, I mean, in a perfect world, that's what would happen, and that would be the solution to a lot of this. But I just don't know. I just, well, it's, 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 it, it's beyond the budget, Mike, for him to do that. That's a year-over-year thing for the most part. It's the red pen I should have been more clear about it. It's not really related to the budget, and I think you understand that. It's about these bills. 
I mean, Mike has got to be willing to look at the BSA and go, no, can't do that. You can't afford it. He's got to look at the defined benefits and go, no, I'm going to have to veto that. No, we can't afford to do that. I mean, he's going to have to swing on some really hard things um, that are policy-driven, right. you know, stuff that's costing us the money now. It's not the year-over-year budget. That's almost, I mean, I'm not even, you notice we've hardly talked about that, including the PFD, because I'm not going to waste my effort on something I know they've already got locked up in the bag. Um, so they've already got a stranglehold on the budget and how it's going to come out and how it's where the money's going. They've, they've got that down like a racket. So I've been banging my head on that wall for years, so I'm not even spending a lot of time on it. What I am concerned about and, and effort is making sure policy-wise we're not completely just you know thrown under the bus here. And that's, that's what I'm talking about with this pen. Mike's going to have to find a way to make sure he has got a veto-proof you know, ability to stop some of these things because without that, I you know, you look at your kids and grandkids and go, "Sorry, guys, I hate to tell you this, but you <laughs> you're going to be California here in Alaska shortly, where we're going to take you know, feds are going to take a third of your income, and the yep. state's going to take another you know, fifteen twenty percent of your income. You're going to be working from about one January to September um, for the state for the government before you get to start keeping some of it. So. There's great potential for that, and like you said, maybe that's what it takes, Mike. I don't know. I, 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 I I'm naturally a positive person, and right. I'm naturally a fighter, and I want to to not do that. But there are so many forces between big union influence in this state and and the old guard, et cetera, to that it's like you're again, you're just punching as hard as you can, and nothing's happening. So, you know, maybe maybe it's time to pivot. Maybe we look at it a different way. We, we reassess the battle strategy and. And go a different way. I don't know. Well, so. and I, I'm afraid what will happen, too, in part of this, because I've already seen it three in three comments this morning from three different listeners said, if it starts, to, if it gets any worse, I'm leaving. And that's unfortunate because that's what's going to happen. A lot of good people will just be like, I can't fix it. I can't do anything about it. And I can't afford to stay. And that's yeah. that's going to be disappointing uh, for those of us who are going to try and remain here. It's it's painful. It's a painful thing. Like I said, when the bottom finally does drop out and we hit rock bottom, a lot of people are going to be hurt, and we could have prevented it. And that's the worst part. That I guess that's the that that's is the, frustrating. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And that is what's happening in many other parts of the of the country, Mike. Yeah, you go to Tennessee and, and you talk to Tennessee and every other because my in laws live there, so we visit them once or twice a year. And every other person you meet, Mike, is from California. And I kid you not. Where are you yeah. from? Oh, California. Why'd you leave? Because uh, the freaking state's insane. Yeah. Politics are wonky. The taxes are killing me. Yeah. I brought my business here. I brought my money here. That's what's happening across the country, Mike. People are going to Texas and Florida and Tennessee and Oklahoma and Idaho. Oh, yeah. And they're getting out of New York and California and Washington and Oregon. This whole movement to secede is, you know, from the eastern side of Washington, Oregon is gaining steam again. I mean, it's people are voting with their wallets and their feet because they've got to survive. And I don't blame them. And you're not wrong. Alaska may be next on that list because it's already expensive to live here. We're up here ways with logistics and the cost of things. And so maybe maybe that's where it goes, Mike. People just start leaving. And, uh, you know, eventually you have to rein things out. I don't know. I don't know. It's a it's troubling because this is my home, adopted home, yes, but it's my home. My kids and grandkids are here, and it's worth fighting for, and I'll continue to try. I'm just, you and I are just that's all buttons we, for punishment. Yeah, that's all you we know? can do. That's all we can do is keep <laughs> fighting. Don't grow weary and well-doing. That's all we can do. All right, uh, Mike Shower. That's all you can do, brother. Thanks so much. I appreciate you coming in, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, man. See ya. Thanks, folks. We are out of time for today. We're going we're gonna to go. Oh. 
We'll be back tomorrow. Have a great day. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show